Well, thank you, choir, orchestra, praise team, for leading us in a time of worship of our Lord through song this morning. I pray we have worshiped Him in spirit and in truth. Hebrews chapter 3, if you have your Bible. Glad to have this combined service today, and, and uh, I know that there's food awaiting. One of our men asked me before service, he said, um, why don't we eat first? I said, well, if we do that, nobody will come back for church. So you have to sit through church first and hear this message, and then uh, you, there'll be plenty of food for you. Uh, thank you, guests, for being here today. And uh, you may not know what's going on today, but we're doing a, a dinner on the grounds kind of thing right after this service. And you may say, well, I didn't bring anything. I guarantee there'll be enough food. So you hang around, hang out with us this afternoon, and uh, we'll have a time where we just eat together, fellowship together. And then we'll have, there's some inflatables out there for kids, and it's, they're going to be a little bit wet. So parents, I hope you um, don't mind uh, your kids getting church clothes wet because they're going to get wet. Uh, as they play today, but I'm looking forward to our time together. Ladies, let me uh, encourage you to sign up. Go ahead and register for the uh, women's event that's coming up on the 29th of this month from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock here at the church in the activity center. Our ladies will meet together for a, for a brunch. There'll be food. There'll be great fellowship. Uh, and then Dr. Chantel Oni will bring a word to our women. Uh, Dr. Oni is... Um, Professor of Business at the Baptist College of Florida. She also has some administrative roles at the college. She is a woman of God, dear friend of our family, and she will bring a word that will edify you women. Uh, it will be a tremendous word. You do not want to miss that time. So you can sign up as you leave today at the welcome desk. You can stop off there. There's a, a sheet for you to sign your name on, or you can register online if you'd rather do that. But please do so, so we'll know how much food to have for that event. Also, let me just say this to you. Um, I am uh, grateful for what God is doing uh, in our church family. Uh, I was able to go yesterday uh, for a little while down to the um, uh, fishing tournament that our outdoor ministry was, was, um, was doing and uh, got to watch the fish, the fishermen coming in and, and, uh, and weighing their massive catch, you know, and, and it was just a great time uh, to see that team working together uh, and then they shared the gospel. The gospel was clearly and compassionately shared. Uh, I got a text last night from uh, Herb Foskey, and he said, um, someone from one of the fishermen that were at the tournament has reached out and said they want to know more about salvation. So one of uh, the men in the outdoor ministry was on, on his way uh, last night to go share the gospel. And so um, I, I prayed when I got the message, and then when Stephanie and I got back in the vehicle last night, we prayed immediately at that point for that. And I hadn't heard this morning how that turned out, but uh, just exciting to see uh, what God is doing in this church family. And so I want to ask you, if you would, to join me in prayer. We're going to ask the Lord to speak to us through the Word of God and uh, continue our worship through the Word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how grateful I am for this time together today. Lord, I want to pray for some people that are on my mind right now. Mr. Ron Howard, who's in the hospital with uh, heart problems. I pray for your healing touch on him. I pray for you to guide and direct the medical care professionals as they work to take care of him. I pray they do everything right. And I just pray, Lord, for you to be with him as he goes through tests this week. And I pray he recovers fully from that. Give grace to them, Lord, right now. Lord, I pray for Miss um, Louise Lane's great-grand, little Ezra Lane. I pray for your continued touch upon 
uh, him. We just thank you, Lord, that you are a God who can take care of things, Lord, and we just ask you, Lord, to bring healing there. I have not heard any updates on him, Lord. We just pray things are good. I ask you, Lord, also to be with the Ostrowski family. I pray for your continued comfort uh, with them. I pray for your grace there. Lord, I pray for Miss Barbara Lee. I just She comes to my mind right now. I pray for your continued healing touch on her life. Lord, we thank you that we can come before you with whatever's on our minds and hearts. You tell us to make our requests known to you. What's amazing to me is when we pray, the God of the universe listens. How incredible that is. And Lord, right now I pray and ask you to captivate our attention in this room. Make up for all of my human inadequacies. and Clothe me with Holy Spirit ability to preach the Word of God with clarity of mind, clarity of speech. And I pray you'll give every one of us in this room ears to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, use me as your mouthpiece now. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 is my text for today. And I'm going to speak on this subject, staying faithful to Jesus. Staying faithful to Jesus. Now, let me tell you what I have discovered in the day that we live. I have discovered that there are individuals who have a profession of knowing Christ as their Lord and Savior, who grew up in Christian homes, who were taught the Word of God, who grew up in Bible teaching churches, and now they're out in the world and they're faced with uh, this uh, uh, cultural um, uh, thought patterns of the world system, and maybe they're faced with it like never before. And so there is this great temptation to compromise their beliefs in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, their walk with Him because of the fact they have to navigate the cultural influences of our day. The writer of Hebrews writes about this in this book that we're studying, and he warns these Jewish Christians that he's writing to, uh, although they're under this level of cultural pressure and persecution, and they have this temptation to go back into Judaism, which was more accepted by the Roman Empire, what he's writing for them to do is to stay faithful to Jesus. Do not walk away from Jesus. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he warns of a drift that can take place, a spiritual drift that can take place if we're not careful. And he gives us the remedy for that drift, and that is to take heed to what you have heard, he says in verse 1 of chapter 2. That means pay attention to the Word of God. That's what that means. Keep your focus on the Word. Do not let the culture shape you. Let the Word of God shape you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that you might be more and more like Jesus is the goal there. And so many today are adopting belief systems and systems of morality and thought that the world system is pushing in the mainstream of today. They're adopting that because it makes it easier for them. Makes it easier for them on their job. Uh, it um, helps guard against the possibility of losing their job or getting passed over for promotion because of their biblical convictions. So for them, they think they will just simply compromise their convictions. Then 
there are the friend groups that they're around. And they do not want to be ostracized from their friend group. And they, they want to kind of fit in. And they want to, they want to look like they're not so narrow-minded. They want to look like they're progressive in their thoughts and in their beliefs. And so because they have this fear of losing the praise of their culture, they compromise the truth of God. And what they do is they begin to shape Jesus into something that's unlike anything we find in Scripture. But they shape Jesus to be a Jesus that is compatible with this culture. So it makes it a little bit easier on them for the moment. But at what cost? At what cost? The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and following, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That is, our desires is not what rules us when we follow Jesus. We put to death these desires. And take up his cross. That means you die to self. You're not shaped by this world any longer. You don't go with the flow of culture anymore. You take up your cross. You die to who you were before Christ. And Jesus said, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That is, if you desire to save the way of life you have right now in the world, you're going to lose life. You will miss real life in Christ. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That is, we turn from this way of living to follow Jesus and are converted, then we find true life. We find true fulfillment and peace and joy now, and we have eternal life. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So today's text is instructing true believers to stay faithful to Jesus Christ despite cultural pressures. Now, let me give you a quick recap of what we've talked about so far. Chapter 1 is about the deity and the supremacy of Christ. The writer of Hebrews starts out in that three-verse prologue, and he gives us seven things about the supremacy and greatness of Jesus Christ. And then verses 4 through, through 14, he's talking about how that Jesus is superior to angels. And what we find in those verses is that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things, that is, he is, he is Lord over everything. He is God the Son. If He's heir, He's Son. He's God the Son. We also find that He is Creator. He is the very agent in which God used to create the universe. He is also Sustainer. The Word of God says in verse 2 that by the word of His mouth, all things are upheld. That is, it's by the word of the Lord that the universe holds together. Now, I know we talk a lot today about climate change and all those kinds of things, and there is a responsibility that uh, we have as Christians even to be good stewards of the earth. But let, me just, let me just make a point to you that's not very popular, and it's going to make me people think I'm a, a weirdo in the culture we're in today. But I'll tell you this, this world will not end one second sooner than when God, the sovereign God of the universe says it will. That's just the truth. He is the sustainer. Every molecule, every system of, of natural law that holds everything together is upheld by His Word. 
He is sustainer. He is also in this text uh, called Savior because he purges our sins. He is also the glory of God. He is the absolute expressed image of the person of God. He is sovereign. He is preeminent. He is king over all. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high, the scripture says. When you get through with chapter one, you should be fully convinced that Jesus Christ is God. He's God the Son. Then you get to chapter two. (laughs) The first few verses there warn us against spiritual drift. And the rest of chapter two tells us of the humanity of Christ, how God became flesh and dwelt among us for a purpose. He had to do this to be the captain of our salvation, to provide the propitiation, which is the uh, uh, satisfying of God's just wrath toward sin. Christ satisfied that on the cross. And in today's text, we start a new section here, but it continues the same theme. He's talking about the greatness and the supremacy uh, of Christ. Now, he's Warning, remember these Jewish Christians, he's, he's warning them and encouraging them, you stay faithful to Jesus. And, and now he takes a little section here and he talks about how that Jesus is superior to Moses. But what he's doing here is more than just talking about Christ's superior, superiority to Moses, he is encouraging these Christians to stay faithful in a culture that's coming against them that is causing them to suffer levels of persecution. So what I want to talk about this morning in this message is this, staying faithful and following Jesus Christ, our Lord. So look with me in these verses, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the, holy, of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. In other words, Moses' ministry pointed to one greater than him, Jesus. Verse 6, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. In my doctoral studies, I took a seminar on spiritual disciplines. And in that seminar, we studied people like Eric Liddell. I I read a book on Eric Liddell, one of the books that we read for that seminar. Eric Liddell was a Olympian who became a missionary to China. In the 1924 Olympics, he refused to run the trials for the Olympics so he could continue to compete because those trials were held on Sunday. It was a day set aside for him to worship the Lord, magnify the Lord, so he would not uh, even uh, do those trials on 
Sunday, and so because of that, he did not win a medal in those Olympics, but he did in a later Olympics. He became very famous in Great Britain, was very well thought of, had a comfortable life there, but God called him to be a missionary to China, and instead of uh, hanging on to the comforts and the fame that he had uh, where he lived, he answered God's call and went to China. He began to teach in a college there, and he would share the gospel as he, as he taught, but then he began to sense that God was moving him into the more rural areas of China. That's a much more difficult place to minister. He would have to walk mile upon mile. He would have to ride bicycles to places to get to regions where he could share the gospel, and that's just what he did. He answered God's call. Then in World War II, as you know, the, the Japanese invaded China. And instead of him fleeing China, he stayed there to continue to minister. And he was captured by the Japanese. He was placed in a prison camp there. And so he ministered to those in that prison camp. He would uh, share the gospel. He would lead them in worship services. He would minister to them in sicknesses and heartaches and hurts. And one month before they were liberated from that prison camp, uh, Liddell died of a brain tumor there in that prison camp. For him, what mattered most is faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not earthly comforts, not being accepted by the culture, not experiencing what the world has to offer. His desire was to follow Jesus Christ and serve Him wholeheartedly. Let me ask this question. How faithful are we? How faithful are we to Jesus? How are we standing against the current cultures, that cultural consensus that just comes against us, opposes us? Sometimes folks will move away from this region and they'll say, well, you know, things everywhere else is not like it is in Chipley. Well, you know, I, I know that because I worked in Atlanta for a number of years. I thought I was the only person on earth besides my immediate family that believed like me. Uh, when I would gather at church on Sundays, there'd be thousands of other people there in our church. There's a large church, and I'd look around, and I'd be encouraged by those numbers because when I was out there in the world, I didn't know if anybody believed like I did. I know that. I think this region for a long time was influenced by biblical morality, and that's why that there are certain thoughts. But let me just tell you something. If you hadn't noticed it yet, those thoughts are breaking pretty fast. <laughs> pretty fast. But can I tell you a little secret? There's not really a secret. Our Lord told us that the world hates Him. The, the, the real Jesus is opposed by the world system. And He said, that's, that world's going to hate you too. It's going to be opposed to us. Now, what we do in response to that is we just live for Jesus. Because as we live for Jesus Christ and we proclaim the gospel as we're called to, then He begins to work in the lives of people around us and, and opens their understanding and brings them out of slavery to the world system and sin and brings them into His kingdom through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called just to live for Jesus. We're called to be obedient to Him and faithful to Him. We're not to, we're not to be licking our finger, holding it up, and seeing which way the cultural winds blow and then decide that's how we're going to believe for a while. We're to stay absolutely devoted to Jesus Christ.
That's what we are called to do. Now, in today's text, again, these Christians are being encouraged. You know, don't, don't slip back into Judaism because it's easier for you. You stay faithful to Jesus Christ because I'm telling you, Jesus is superior to Moses. Matter of fact, again, Moses' ministry points to Jesus. When, when the Lord in his resurrected state um, is going on the road to Emmaus and he's hanging out with these two guys that are, that are his followers and he has blinded them so they can't re recognize who he is. And they're telling him about all that's happened. And so the Word of God says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27 that beginning with Moses, the Lord Jesus began to explain the things that the Scriptures contain concerning him. Same thing is said in verse 44 of that chapter. Moses' ministry pointed to Jesus. So he's encouraging them to stay faithful to Jesus. Just like now, 2,000 years later, the Spirit of God is using this ancient text, which is the Word of God, by the way. Do we know that? Amen. This is the Word of God. To encourage the people of God to stay faithful to Him. And there are two things I want to show you from this text that will help us understand how to stay faithful to Him. The first one is this. We must consider Jesus. Now, let me explain. That's just kind of taken out of the text here. So let me explain what all is happening here. The writer of Hebrews tells these original recipients to consider Christ. Now, before I explain all of that, I, I want to take just a moment, and I want, us to, I want us to look at the description that is given here, how this writer addresses the church. Now, now look in verse uh, 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, holy brethren... Now, brethren means also sistren, too. It's brothers and sisters. He's talking about the whole body of believers. And, and, and so what, what he's saying here is when you're saved, you become a, a son or a daughter of God. And therefore, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, on in this text, if you notice, uh, there's this description of the house, or that word can be translated ha uh, household. That's another indicator that, that we're family. We're part of the family of God. We are the people of God, and we are to understand that about ourselves. We're family. That's one of the purposes for doing what we're doing today, and that is to come together uh, and, 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 and just fellowship together because we are the family of God. And if we're the family of God, we're called, first of all, to love each other. Now, obviously, we're called to glorify God. We know that's the first thing we do above everything. But one of the ways we glorify God is we love each other. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, I want you to love each other like I love you. Let me ask you a question. Are you loving your brother and sister like Jesus loves your brother and sister? We are the family of God, and we're to love with a biblical love. And when we love like this, there's some reasons for it. Number one, it imitates God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says we're to imitate God like little children. And so verse 2 says walk in love. That means conduct life in love. Second reason we do it, because it glorifies God. We, that's our chief goal, to glorify Him. So we're going to obey Him. And we, we love each other, not because we like everybody per se, not because we approve of everything people do, how they act or even treat us at times. We love them because the Word of God said to love them. 
And if we love them and we show them the biblical expressions of love, that is an act of worship to God. It brings glory to Him. And I'll tell you this, God will honor those who honor Him. And so we love in that way because it glorifies God. And we love like this also, thirdly, because it is a witness to the world around us. They don't see love like this, especially in the day we're in. Do you know today if you disagree with something that somebody says you're hated and you're an enemy of that person? And you're, but that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. That's a devilish thing. It's a devilish thing to cause division among people. We can agree to disagree on things. And we can have discussions, but you can't do that in the culture we're in. It's set up in such a way that if you say, you try to have a discussion, people, people don't listen. They just, they want to shout you down because, because that, that's just how they're, they've been indoctrinated to, to do. And it's devilish in its source. The world needs to see the expression of love that we have as the people of God. And, and that means we forgive each other. That means that when we offend, that we go on loving it means that when we recognize we have offended, we try to get that right with each other. We just want to love. And, and sometimes we'll say, well, you know, this is just how so-and-so is. They're just like that. And here's what I say. That, then so-and-so needs to change. It's like, you know, when I grew up Scotch-Irish, and, uh, and so they, you have that uh, Scotch-Irish temper. So sometimes you just say, well, that's just, that's just how he is. It's just, you know, well, there there's probably is some genetic stuff in there. But I'll tell you what else I got genetically, too, the sin nature. And here's the thing, what you do is you work to change. The people of God have no right to be rude. We're not to be jerks to each other. We're to love each other. And that glorifies God when we do. And, and when someone's a jerk to us, then we respond back in kindness, not in meanness, not in attacking them back. These expressions of love are otherworldly. These are outside of the normal realm of things. And when people see that kind of way we respond to each other, it is one of the ways in which God draws people to Himself. We learn what the Bible says about Christian love, and then we adhere to it, and we put to death things in our lives that uh, are responses from the flesh. We put to death jealousy, and we celebrate and honor one another. We choose to pray for those who are even unkind to us, and we bless them uh, because that's just what we're told to do. We're family. We're the family of God so that we can come together to reach people for Christ. You know, we're in a, we're in a culture today that sometimes we think nobody wants to hear about Jesus. But I'm telling you, what I'm discovering is there's a lot of people who are hungry to hear about Jesus. They want some hope. And what we're seeing take place through some of the ministries of our church family is that there are people out there in this world and they're looking for hope. And when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it might be the first time they've ever heard it or the first time in a long, long time they've heard it and the Spirit of God is drawing them to Himself. It, it is amazing. But sometimes the church gets too busy bickering with one another while the world around them is going to hell. And the people of God should realize, hey, we're family to come together for a purpose. Glorify God and reach our world for Jesus. That's what we're called to do. But notice this, the Word of God says that we're not just a family, we're a holy family. 
We're holy. This goes back to chapter 2, verse 17, where we're sanctified by the Lord. We're made holy positionally when we get saved. I mean, we get saved, and, and so now we're brought out of darkness, and we're in the kingdom of God. We've been forgiven of all of our sins based on what Jesus did. We've been given the righteousness of Christ based on how he lived. And in the sight of God, we're holy. But then there's also that progression, that sanctification that happens. We keep on. We keep on growing in our walk with God. Let me ask you something. Could you describe your life today as a holy life? Why or why not? We're called to follow Jesus. Dying to self, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something else about the, the people of God. We're a holy brethren. We're partakers. That is, we share together in the heavenly calling. That means the calling to salvation. It's heavenly. It comes from God. And this scripture tells us that we are have this heavenly calling and we're to consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. You see that word confession? That's a word that means a, a contract agreement. It, it, it denotes a binding expression of obligation and commitment. It is, now listen, y'all with me? It is the faith response to the action of God. Let me explain that. The Holy Spirit is at work in the world, drawing people to Himself, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He uses all sorts of ways to enlighten people to Himself and tear down the deceptions of the enemy. The Word of God is essential in this work. No one is saved apart from the Word of God. So the Word of God is used by the Spirit of God to awaken people and tear down deceptions of the enemy and draw people to, to the Lord. And there is a response of faith, a surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, a confession, if you will, a confession that says, I surrender all to Jesus. Now he saved me by his grace. I have an obligation to serve him. That's what this word confession means. The verb form of this word is found in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, the Scripture says. So he's describing a people who are a holy family, who share together in the great salvation that's been given by God, they have made a, a confession to Christ. He is, they have surrendered to Him as Lord and Savior. That's who He's talking to is the church of Jesus. That's who we are if we're saved. We're part of the household of God. So how are they to stay faithful? They are to consider Jesus. Now the word consider here is an imperative. It's a command from Scripture. It's active voice, which means we're doing the action. So we're to consider. This word basically means to set your mind on something. Fix your mind on something. Reminds me of Colossians 3, 2. 
that says this, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That also is an imperative uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. You set your mind on Jesus. Not on the Jesus that everybody's making up out here that kind of fits our sin and helps us rationalize our sin. No, we, we set our mind on the Jesus revealed in Scripture. That's who we set our mind on. He is called here the apostle. Only time in the New Testament he's referred to as the apostle. This, this word basically means sent. He's sent from God. If you'll look back in chapter 1, verse 2, the Word of God says that in these last days, th these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. And so He's sent from God. He's revealing the one true God to the world. He is the one who makes the way, the way, to know the one true God. He reveals the truth and he lets us know what's right and what's wrong. He is the apostle. But then also he's the high priest, which means, reminds us again of what we studied back in chapter, seven, or chapter 2, verse 17, that he is the high priest to make propitiation for our sins. So let me just kind of bring this together. How do you stay faithful to Jesus? You keep your mind on Him. You remind yourself that He is God the Son. There's no other but Him. And you remind yourself that He is the truth. Matter of fact, He said it Himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He has revealed the truth of God to us. And He is the only way a person can be saved. Why would I walk away from Him? To fit in with the world? To make everybody like me more? To get a greater gathering on social media? So I fit in with a certain friend group? Is that why I'd leave Jesus? He gives me everything. We just sang about that. He is everything. He's all I need. Why would I walk away from Him? My brothers and sisters, here's what I say this morning. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. The Word of God tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, we focus on Jesus. Now, let me tell you how to do that before I move quickly to the second point and wrap this up. You consider Jesus by every day focusing on Him, spending time with Him in His Word, in prayer, learning and growing through that time, and taking what you learn from that time and what you learn right here as we gather each week, and you live that out. And when you do that, what will happen is if you start having that time with God, you can make that in such a way that it affects how you, how you focus all day long. Do you know if you have a meaningful time with God in the morning, then you walk with Him all day long. You've got your mind on Him all day long. 
you're praying in just a moment. You can breathe a prayer about this. And you're facing something at work. And you know, you know, my Lord's with me. Lord, help me with this. Let me glorify you by the way I do this today. And you're just aware of Jesus. People who do that, they don't stray. Second thing that takes place here is that we must remain in the conviction of our conversion. Verse 6. Moses was a faithful servant of the house of God, uh, that is, among God's people, but the Lord Jesus is said to be the one over that house. Whose house we are if we hold fast. Now, what does it mean to be part of the house of God? Well, it means that you're a saved person. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 talks about this. How we're living stones that build up the house of God. It means that we're saved people. It means that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us and with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it also emphasizes once again we're family. We're fam. <laughs> Been waiting to say that all morning. Here's the thing. The Word of God tells us to consider Jesus, but also to hold fast our conviction in Christ. That's what verse 6 is talking about. There's a conditional phrase here. You see that? If you hold fast. What that's doing is, it's giving us the evidence that you're part of the household of God. It's given you the evidence to know if you're saved or not. And if you're saved, then you hold fast to the confidence. That word confidence means to have a freedom of speech or a boldness or a courage. It means that you have this conviction that through Jesus Christ, you have bold access to God. That's what that means. And you know that your eternal life is through, is through Jesus because He's given you now access to God. He's reconciled you to God. He's given you an eternal hope. And He's also promised to give you the help you need right now in suffering, in temptation, in hardships, in trials, in distresses of life. Listen, the Bible tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I, I don't know what you brought in here this morning or what you're going through right now or what heartache you're in, but I'm just going to tell you this. Jesus is your answer. He's the healer. He's the one who strengthens. He's the one who reassures. He's the one who comforts. And I know that I can't get that from the world. The world is not my access to God. Jesus is. And he goes on to say, you hold on to your rejoicing. That, that means boasting. We boast in the hope that we have through the grace of God. My boasting is in Jesus Christ, not in me, not what I've done, but in what He's done. We hold fast to that. And this conditional phrase is telling us this. Here's how you separate the wheat from the tares. Here's how you separate the goats from the sheep. Here's how you separate the lost from the saved. The saved persevere to the end. They stay faithful to Jesus. They don't return to the world. Now, there are times when the Christian can stray away from the Lord. 
But you know what the Lord does? Anybody want to give testimony to that? He'll tear you up, won't he? He'll discipline you. And he brings, because he loves you. Chapter 12 deals with this. He brings you back into fellowship. You, you just walk away from Jesus Christ and, and you go back into the world. Let me tell you what that proves. You don't know him. You don't know him. That's one of the, one of the tests that we have to help us understand. So we put Jesus first as the people of God. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, let some athlete or some politician or some social media influencer lead us. We're going to follow Jesus. Some people today are discipled by TikTok and they're discipled by uh, Instagram and they're discipled by all the influencers out there and self-care people and they tell you that your chief desire, that your chief goal in life is to, is to care for self. No, it ain't. It's to glorify God. We're being discipled by social media. And that's why there's so many drifting away today. We ought to get back to the book. We ought to get back to the book. Listen, you, you stay faithful. So what you do is you don't, you don't return to partying, using alcohol and drugs to alter your state and lower your inhibition so you can supposedly have more fun. <laughs> at whatever event you're in. Do you know that's drunkenness? Do you know the Word of God speaks against that? Do you know the Word of God even says that those who do that do not inherit the kingdom of heaven in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and also the, it's one of the works of the flesh mentioned also? You don't go back into that when you've had Jesus. You keep following Jesus. You don't leave Jesus to go after the sexual ethic of the world. You understand how God's designed sexuality for a man and a woman to be married. And in the, even among Christians today, we seem to be just embracing the sexual ethic of the world. Listen, you, you don't go back to that. You're saved out of that. You can be all in that. You come to Jesus. He'll forgive you, give, pour His grace out on you. But when He saves you, listen, you're, you're taken out of that. Not to go back to it, but to live for Him. You can't return to pursuing material things above everything else. You could have stuff. I'm not saying that. But for some people, even among the people of God, uh, material things is their God. You don't return to that. I, I tell you, I had a, I've told you all this before. But my, my goal was this. I wanted more land. I wanted more cows. I wanted more toys. I wanted all these kind of things. And some of you farmers are going, you were dumb. I want more cows. But, but that's what I want. Those are the things that interest me. I like the latest and the greatest. You know, I wanted all that stuff. And then when, when the Lord Jesus changed my life, those things, those things were like, they used to be right, like right here. Here's where they were after Jesus. You know why that is? Because I found out Jesus is better. He's better. You can't return to treating people the way you used to before you got saved. You represent Christ and you love like Him. You, you can't return to living by the world's standards if you belong to God. That's what this conditional phrase means. You go back to that, then guess what? You're not giving off evidence of being saved. You hold fast to Jesus. We stay faithful to Him.
consider him, you hold on to your conviction that came from your conversion. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to us today as I wrap it up? Here it is. Stay faithful. Don't give in to the pressures of this world. Stay faithful. For some of us, this means we're to turn back to Jesus today. You've been straying. You've compromised. You've embraced the world. What we're to do is confess that before God and get back to following Jesus. For many of us, here's what we ought to do. We ought to come kneel at the altar today and say, Lord, I'm asking you to help me stay faithful to you. Help my church family to stay faithful to you. Help us, Lord God, not to give in, not to go back, but to keep our eyes on Jesus. For some, listen, here's why you've been struggling so much your entire life and your walk with God and why you keep going back and keep going back and keep going back and keep going back into the world. Have you ever thought about it could be the fact that you've never truly been converted? Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe you're not converted and the Spirit of God has brought that to your mind today and it's time to quit playing games and say, Lord, I want you. I'm turning to you today and I know you will graciously forgive me and restore me and cleanse me and make me yours. Are you willing to turn to Jesus today? We're going to stand to sing in a second. I'm going to ask you to come down and meet me down front and say, I, I want Jesus as my Savior. He is our only hope. We're to stay faithful to Him. Listen to this, and I'm going to pray. In John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus has been teaching some hard stuff about following him. When he got through, a whole bunch of people stopped following him. They walked away from him. Uh, in verse 66, it says, Many who were following him went back and walked with him no more. And so then Jesus said, verse 67 and following, Do you also want to go away? He asked his disciples. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The cultural pressures are a lot today. There's persecution this building. Are we going to stay faithful? Where else would I go? Where else would I go? Who else has the answer? None other than Jesus. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for this word. And I pray right now, Lord, you have used it in us. And Lord, I pray you have strengthened us. And I pray right now there is response to what you said. Lord, I pray for the response of salvations. I pray for the response of returning to follow you, strengthening of believers. Some just need your comfort today and your reassurance. And I pray, Lord God, you will pour that out on them right now. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please.